Welcome to this episode of Lifestyle Matters. Once again, I am Sabina Nithyanandan and joined by Fogel Armstrong on this episode. Today, welcome Fogel. Hi Sabina, how are you? I'm good. So today I thought we might explore um, stress. It's you know quite a common thing that lots of us face, and especially in the last couple of years, living through a pandemic all around the world, lots of people have faced stress. But I guess before we get into the nitty gritty of it, I thought it might be good to actually discuss what is stress, and um, you know how can we differentiate it from other mental health problems like anxiety and depression. Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I've reflected on that frequently. I mean, even, even when we think about the depression, anxiety, stress questionnaire, the DAS, we have the DAS-21 and the DAS-42, and there are separate columns for the diagnosis of depression, anxiety, and stress. And one of the complicating factors is that the, the symptoms of anxiety are basically identical to the symptoms of stress. So how do you separate out these two apparently different separate diagnoses? And a wise teacher once told me the following, and I've never forgotten it. He said, depression is fear of the past. Stress is fear of the present. And anxiety is fear of the future. And that also brings me on to this idea about the fact that, that with, when we're talking about anxiety, in particular generalized anxiety, we're talking about persistent worry that, is in, that occurs in the absence of triggers. Whereas with stress, we always think of stress as, a, as an emotional response to triggers. And that's another way of thinking about the difference between stress and anxiety. Another way of thinking about stress is it's the emotional response that occurs as a result of an evaluation. It's called the threat evaluation. So when we evaluate threats in our lives, if we evaluate those threats as being less than our ability to cope, i.e. our resilience, then we don't get stressed. But if we evaluate our resilience to be lower than the level of the stress, or that the stress exceeds our ability to cope, then we, then we do get stressed. So that's another way of thinking about it. It's in terms of the emotional response associated with our threat evaluation, which then brings us back to cavemen. You know, If you go under the African savanna, the animals there are always on the lookout. They're always jumpy. The wind rustles the leaves, they run away. And there is a survival benefit to that because the people that were relaxed, or the animals certainly that were relaxed on the African savanna, got eaten. They died. So stress is part of our natural makeup. We can't get rid of it because it is our response to threat. And, and, and in appropriate circumstances, it's very healthy. But unfortunately, in the modern day world, we have threats to our existential existence that are not the same as they were you know, in caveman days. But yet we have the same old responses, which are perhaps not so good for us in modern times. And so we, you know, I've, you know, you talked about the prevalence of it. You know, I was thinking, I read recently that, but this is pre-COVID, but thirty percent, one in three people, experience stress on a daily basis that has an impairing effect on their function. I mean, it's just so prevalent. So, reflecting back to you, what would you say? How would you describe your understanding of the of the diagnosis of stress, and how common it is? So I'd probably go back to what you said just now. I think you've just sort of 
summarized a few versions of it and one of the one of those would be my version so i stress i don't think it's a diagnosis it is a process as what you've just said um and it is basically how i find that stress is more when we can't it's just that demand and what's expected out of us and what you know um what we can actually what resources we may have to cope with these situations that the demands that our body or no, our situation demands of us and it also comes down to personalities so you know for example task a might be super stressful for me but for you it might be you know just you know a little slightly yeah. stressful you know it wouldn't cause a great deal yeah. of anxiety so it comes down to personalities too i i find i i also feel it comes down to resilience because two people may be given the same task and for one person it's it's fine but for the other person mm. it's the straw that breaks the camel's back so you have to understand that everyone carries around them what i call a stress bucket and all the stresses in our life go in and there's a little hole in the bucket which are stress relieving mechanisms and all the stress flows out but sometimes we have higher levels of stress because we can't cope with the stress and therefore a task that would previously not worry us if we're in a situation of heightened stress suddenly overwhelms us and so you know we have to think about our 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 time based resilience as well as personality as well as the task itself Yeah. yeah and i guess i would also probably bring it i mean if we're thinking about lifestyle medicine we talked about sleep for example at um you know mm. earlier on in the episodes um you know during sleep all the restorative processes that happen to our you know our emotional part of our brain and things like that you know if you're not having good sleep then the um you know the amygdala for example does not sort of do what it has yeah. to do repair itself overnight yeah. and then in the morning you wake up you'll be yeah. more anxious and so any small little stress can you know amount to a bigger response yeah. uh but stress is also good we if we can find ways to utilize the stress to yeah. actually be more productive in our day it actually can sometimes drive us to be to perform better exactly that's exactly what i agree with um the key thing is that we have to understand that we cannot eradicate stress from our lives stress is a part of our lives and it's part of our survival mechanisms And so we and there is a, fav, a famous curve called the Yerkes-Dodson curve which describes our response to stress and at low low levels of stress our performance is low because we're bored at moderate levels of stress our performance is maximal because we're stimulated and that's called eu stress e u s t r e w s so eu stress and that at high levels of of stress our performance deteriorates again because of worry anxiety where we start getting these mental health diagnoses and that's then that's what we would also describe as traditional stress when we when our ability to cope is exceeded by the perceived threat so we need stress in our lives load of, we need moderate levels of stress that we can cope with in our lives to actually improve and maintain function it's just that when it becomes too much that's when we have these mental health issues so it's really important to understand you cannot live a stress-free life yeah and i guess that's when you know de-stress happens distress or not de-stress distress happens distress, um yes. and yeah and that's when you yeah. actually start getting that negative effects of stress on our body so you know you start having trouble sleeping yeah. you feel nauseous yeah. headaches and things like that and this yeah. i guess progresses to other mental health issues exactly yeah So I guess if we wanted to what well, I mean I guess now I guess the next thing is really why are we so 
I guess, how does it sort of affect our health, I guess, in terms of stress and distress? Really, I think it's, you know, if you look at every organ system in the body, you know, there is a disease that will affect that organ system that can either be directly or indirectly related to stress. So let's look at the, the nervous system. So when we are stressed, we activate our sympathetic nervous system and we deactivate our parasympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic, and that, that augmentation of the sympathetic and the deactivation of the parasympathetic permeates through our entire bodies. And if we look at, and if we look in the short term and the effects of that, so we have, you know, high heart rate, we have high blood pressure, we have increased cardiac contractility. So we pump a lot of blood through our, our, our vascular system. And then we have, changes in our vascular tone that basically redirect blood from our gut to our brain and our muscles. So our blood pressure increases, our heart rate increases. Now imagine what that does to someone who's got a precarious cardiovascular system. You know, that puts a stress on it. We also breathe faster, so we're shifting in and out a lot of air. Now imagine what that does to someone with asthma or COPD. You know, that, that, can, that can adversely affect someone's respiratory function. It can actually trigger an asthma attack, you know, that rapid shifting of air. And it can also cause a bit of hypoventilation, and then people start getting pins and needles around, not pins and, yeah, uh, numbness and yeah, tingling around the lips. Yeah. 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 So it causes hyperventilation, which then causes a relative yeah. hypocalcemia. Sorry, yes, hyperventilation, this, yes. Yeah. That causes this, this numbness and tingling around the lips. And people think they're dying because of it. And, you know, because so, so they get this numbness and tingling. They then get this, you know, the hypertension, the palpitations in the heart, the high blood pressure, and they get a bit of an ache. And not because they're having a heart attack, but because the muscles in the chest wall are getting sore and tight and rigid. But they think they're having a heart attack. And so, you know, that, that what, we're, what we're describing there are the typical features of a panic attack, which is really the pointy end of stress, isn't it? Um, but, yeah, so if we then move on to the, the gastrointestinal system, you know, you have all of these stress-related uh, phenomena like, you know, the, the diarrhea, the nausea, the vomiting, the, the spasms of the gut, the, the bellyache, the butterflies. So especially when we're, when we're um, shifting our blood supply from our guts to, our, to the rest of our vital organs like the heart and the muscles, you know, that shift in blood supply will also cause sensory changes, which some people describe as butterflies. And of course, you know, diarrhea is perhaps one of the most uh, interesting phenomena because actually the sympathetic tone actually allows us to retain uh, our stools. But when we become overstressed, we have actually a paradoxical overdrive of our, of our parasympathetic nervous system, which then loosens our bowels. So that fear-induced loosening of bowels is actually a parasympathetic overdrive. Hmm. Uh, and that's the imp- Sorry, carry yeah, on. Go on. No, no, no. Um, I, was gonna... you know, I was just going to tell you the story about the, you know the people wetting themselves when they were going over the trenches in, in the world in the First World War. That loss of bowel and urinary continence is not actually the sympathetic nervous system. It's it's a paradoxical overdrive of the parasympathetic nervous system, which occurs in response to really high levels of stress. You were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to tie it back to irritable bowel syndrome. Exactly. Yes. IBS. Irritable yeah. IBS is one of the prototypical features, symptoms of, of, of stressed bowel. And you've also got to remember that there are more nerves in the bowel 
or sorry, there are as many nerves in the bowel as there are in the spinal cord. So the bowel is a very sensitive organ and any kind of emotional impact that you experience, your bowel are also impacted as well. You cannot, your bowel cannot hide from your emotions. <laughs> yep, that's what I usually yeah. tell my patients who suffer with IBS. I'm like, you know, yeah. if you actually, and, and they have found it, once the stress or anxiety or depression, whatever mood, they are experiencing is actually managed better. Their yeah. irritable bowel syndrome actually gets better too. Well, definitely. And that's yeah, and it's yeah. um, and it's very interesting, isn't it? Like the fact that they actually still are investigating, like you know, the specialists, the gastroenterologists who specialize in IBS and things. They're still learning so much about the gut and its innovation, yeah. and as what you were talking about, the paradoxical sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system, how it all yeah. balances out and how it ties in. It's um, yeah. but we know that you know the that yeah. when we're distressed, IBS can also play up. Um, so our guts are are as emotional as our hearts. That's how I sort of sometimes put it. When we fall in <laughs> love, our guts fall in love. When we fall out of love, our guts fall out of love. When we get yep. stressed, so too do our guts. Yeah. Now if we're going good. Moving on to the kind of the uh, the the organ system. So if we look at the the gonads, so we actually know that sperm count decreases, fertility decreases, and female fertility decreases if we're stressed. If we look at the endocrine system, we we know that. In acute stress, we get this uh, adrenaline rush, but also we need to explain the difference between acute stress and chronic stress. So when we get chronic stress, we actually activate our hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis to produce glucocorticoids, cortisol, and that creates a whole raft of different stresses. So that first stress that we get with the adrenaline rush, you know, was basically designed to, to allow us to run away from a slavering saber-toothed tiger. Flight or fight we, response. The flight or fight response. But chronic stress has got no place in, 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 the, in the world of cavemen because you either beat, your, beat the race, survived, live another day, or you didn't. But we, we also have the secondary system that kicks in in the modern day world and we get this glucocorticoid response that causes a whole raft of problems. But I think of chronic stress causing emotional eating and metabolic syndrome. So explain what metabolic syndrome is to us and how bad that is for us. So metabolic syndrome is basically when we have a triad of um, hyperlipidemia, where you have high cholesterol levels, hyperglycemia when you've got high sugar levels, and hypertension when your blood pressure is high. And the way when I see metabolic syndrome, I usually find, well, we usually sort of associate it with someone who suffers from obesity. Um, that tends to be the classical sort of presentation. Other things, other diseases that come with obviously would be, um, you know, having putting yourself at a higher risk of having a stroke due to all those risk yeah. factors which I just mentioned, having a yeah. higher risk of having a heart attack um, and yeah. uh, diabetes. Yeah, and so going back to that point about obesity, so you know, the key th for me, the key thing is the emotional eating. So we know that people who are stressed tend to emotionally eat, but it's not it's not universal. Figures that I've heard that. In terms of total calorie intake, 40% of people increase their calorie intake due to emotional eating. 40% of people decrease their calorie intake and 20% of people stay the same. But for those 40% who are emotional overeaters, they really do put themselves at risk of eating refined foods, which are hyperpalatable, which then contribute to the risk factors that you've identified in metabolic syndrome. And so they really do put themselves at higher risk of all of these diseases. 
So there are two groups of individuals. There, there are the stress fasters and there are the stress eaters. And it's really probably better for you to actually to, to be a stress faster rather than a stress eater. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, I'm a stress eater. You know, when I'm studying for exams, I put on so much weight because all I can do is eat chocolate all day. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I, I have. To, I don't know what I am. Sometimes it depends on the stress. Sometimes I'm a stress eater. Sometimes I'm a stress faster. But you know what? Yeah. We are all different. Um, and, yeah. you know, yeah. And I think it also comes down to, you know, when we are craving, you talked about the hyperpalatable food, which is basically, you know, your chocolates yeah. and your carbs. And I yeah. guess it's just that, you know, having that sugar spike and having that good feeling hormones release yeah. when you eat chocolates, the endorphins that just yeah. makes you crave those things. Um, yeah, exactly. And also, I guess it comes down to, um, you know, when you talked about um, uh, when you're stressed, basically, and how the impact of cortisol levels, what happens is then our body tries to sort of, um, you know, it's trying to make, so it's now under stress. So it's saying, I need more energy. So it tries to make more, make more sugar readily available in our body. That's what our body's trying to do. So what happens is then, you know, your um, insulin levels fall, your glucagon levels and your adrenal levels increase, and then you have more sugar available in your body. And obviously all that will just cause people to have higher sugar levels. So if you're diabetic, your sugar controls can also worsen. And that has been quite well um, documented that, that there is a, that impact of stress and poor control of diabetes. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is actually immune function. So stress can also have an effect on our immune function. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, yeah, and that comes down to the levels of the cortisol and how it affects our lymphocytes, which are our um, infection-fighting cells. So that it has an impact on that. And then we are, our immune system is low. I don't know about you, but I've noticed when I'm stressed, I'm more susceptible to more infections. I get sick easier. Yeah. Well, stress increases your susceptibility to things like the common cold. No doubt about it. You know, mm. um, you know, and, and remember stress, we, when we say the word stress, we're always thinking about an emotional reaction, but stress in, in terms of our body's health is not just our emotional reaction, but also it's our physiological response to trauma or injury. The body doesn't actually differentiate between those two types of, of, of triggers because basically they just contribute to this ongoing inflammation. And the, the inflammatory response is the, the thing, the, the key physiology that underlines all of these diseases that we've talked about in terms of these chronic diseases. So, you know, the heart disease, the diabetes, the strokes, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. I'd like to cancer. make a point about that, actually. Um, so when you mentioned inflammation, so when our yeah. body's going through a state of inflammation, it actually has an impact on our, our HDL, which is our high-density lipoproteins, the good cholesterol. So it yeah. actually lowers our HDL. So yeah. that's the impact of stress on cholesterol, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And... I guess another area that your your sort of your, your area of interest pain. Um, oh. Would you like to talk well, us through a little bit about that? <laughs> or well, should we do stress, that? Stress, stress. Just very quickly, stress mm. uh, really triggers pain. Yeah, mm. it makes our it makes our appreciation of painful stimulus so much more sensitive. So we become sensitized to pain. It doesn't cause pain, but you know, it's like having a radio. You know, when you've got the radio on at low volume you've got pain signals. But when you, but you know, the same pain signal can be amplified by turning up the knob on the radio volume and you get a really, really loud response. It's the same amount of electricity going through the radio. It's the same, the same primary trauma, but now you've got this ratcheting up of the volume and you get this heightened 
pain signal, and that's due to stress. I mean, another thing also we can touch on is very briefly is the fact that one of the reasons why stress is also bad for us is, you know, it's part of it's not only does it cause disease, but also it triggers abnormal coping mechanisms. Now, we've already talked about emotional eating, but we also need to talk about tobacco smoking and alcohol. You know, so tobacco smoking is a response to stress. Stress causes heart disease. Tobacco causes heart disease. So that's a perfect Bermuda Triangle of, of pathology there. And the same with alcohol. You know, alcohol causes a whole pile of downstream ill effects, which, which are concomitant with the downstream ill effects of, um, of stress. So, you know, we not, not only do we have to understand the primary effect of stress, but we also have to put it into the context of the patient in front of us and how does that patient deal with it and what are the maladaptive coping strategies and what are those maladaptive coping strategies doing to the patient's health as well. Yeah. Um, and just one more point to make is also when you're, you know, stressed, your body is sort of going through a state of tension. So you're also yeah. actually putting yourself at a higher risk of getting injuries. So, you know, if you're yeah. someone who's highly mm -hmm. stressed and you, you know, you decide to go yeah. for a jog or you go to the gym or whatever it is you might be doing yeah. to try to yeah. improve, you know, whatever aspect of your health, you're putting yourself yeah. at a higher risk of injuries because of that potential yeah. tension in the body and you're also not sleeping well and you you've got poor attention and you've got poor work performance so therefore the rate of accidents at work increases yeah you yeah know. so again that's another way that you're putting your health at risk yeah so i guess what we're saying here really is that you know stress is good if we can manage it and we can use yes. it to perform better but when we cross that line of, you know, not being able to manage it, that's when it starts having its negative impact on our health. Um, but what I'd like to talk about next is really how we could go about managing it and things. But I think we are, we might have to keep that for the next episode. Um, just as we're running out of time today. So I thank you, Fergal, for joining us today. And I will look forward to speaking to you again about how we can manage stress um, and improve the quality of our life better. Thanks. Look for forward to it, Savina. Thank you. That's all for today's show. Thanks for watching. That was our last episode for 2021. Have a great Christmas and we'll see you in January. Yeah.